It is Wednesday, February the 8th, and LeBron James is the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. That sounds pretty awesome. That sounds pretty awesome. Kyrie Irving is a maverick. LeBron James broke the NBA's craziest record, one of the most unbreakable record ever tonight, and we're going to react to both of those things. Think of this as a, um, we'll call this a holy shit episode, just where we just react to two pretty crazy things that have happened this week. Um, ranking them between the Kyrie trade and the LeBron thing, um, like what's more, uh, what's actually a bigger deal, uh, honestly? I don't know. Like Kyrie getting traded is like not that thrilling um or surprising um and holy shit like lebron broke the most improbable record to get broken um he did it and he did it in i think really cool fashion outside of outside of maybe losing the game but um i think i think that could come into play um in a big way here during trade deadline week and we're going to get into all of that and more a little bit later on um i'm going to do a trade deadline special on thursday so i'm going to save my awesome fake trades for the big day uh, until then today's just going to be we're going to keep the focus right here the um the lakers game wrapped up moments ago um, i've had a little bit of time to process the Kyrie trade how it kind of impacts the rest of the NBA, the landscape there. I've got a lot of thoughts. Um, I'm probably going to lead off with the LeBron thing just because it's just super fresh in my mind. Um, and it's just a fun topic. I've got the, uh, as you can see, I've got the 2016 LeBron Cavs jersey, the sleeved, the only good sleeved jersey. Yes, I'm looking at the Celtics for those awful gray sleeved uniforms they did um i was gonna say let's take a break but let's just get right into it ben the lakers versus the thunder primetime tv gets flexed to primetime tv you knew that was gonna happen you knew that was gonna happen what i didn't know was gonna happen was they were gonna fully stop play on the court the game completely stopped full stoppage and i know Adam Silver had addressed it going into it, going into the week. Um, you know, when it happens, when it happens, inevitably, um, you know, we're going to stop the game. We're going to collect the game ball. And the, I, I thought that was it. I thought they were going to get the ball, maybe take some pictures, you know, maybe let the family on the court real quick. Let's take some pictures. Maybe Kareem is there. Kareem was there. Man, this felt like an like an NBA championship type, type of uh of celebration and to be fair i mean it's not quite nba championship level but it is a pretty big deal i mean this is lebron just broke a record that hasn't been broken in 40 years and hit the the way he's running he's this record's probably never i mean i don't know i mean i'm 23 years old is this record is lebron's when he's calls it quits and he's got 40 5,000 points or whatever he ends up with. Am I going to see that record get broken in my lifetime? 
Probably not. Probably not. The guy who breaks that record is probably not even born yet. I mean, we're talking about LeBron being a, not just a generational talent, a like a once in a multiple lifetimes talent to occur in this league. And, um, you know, I'm not necessarily saying, I mean, I am saying he is the greatest player that has ever played this game, but um, I think you could acknowledge that he is a once in a multiple lifetime type of talent. Even if you think it's somebody else, even if you think it's still Kareem or Michael or somebody else, you know, I, I, I don't know. It just puts it in, into perspective. You know, they go over, I mean, it's been uh, 1984. 1984 was when Kareem broke Wilt's record. And since then, I mean, it's just, I mean, I can't fault Kareem or anybody else for thinking that this record was not going to get touched. But it was. And I feel... I don't know. It just feels special to be able to, to witness it. Um, speaking of witness, that was a pretty kick-ass Nike commercial that, that they had prepared um, immediately after him breaking the record. Um, and it worked. That commercial worked because I... I mean, I came this close to buying the new LeBron 20s, uh, which I've had my eyes on for a while anyway, but it, God, it's just too damn expensive. Um, but what a spectacular event. Um, I think it was worth it to go full stoppage. I don't know if they do that if it's not in LA. I feel like they do because I feel like it's not really up to the team so much as it is to Adam Silver and the NBA. Uh, but the reception is definitely not as grand as it would be if it wasn't uh, if as it was at uh, in Staples in, in the Crypto.com arena. My bad. Um, you know, as a Celtics fan, I was jealous of the Lakers for maybe like three seconds, just because it was just a cool moment, and um, then I snapped back to reality, and I was like, man, they're losing to the Thunder, like. And we are playing for championships right now. Um, but it was a really, it was just a cool moment to see. And then at the end when Shaq and uh, Kareem are, are, are discussing, um, you know, they shared a, a, a nice moment. And so it was kind of like Laker La La Land all night. But it it was still awesome to see. the. Um, it really was kind of a big production almost. Um, but it, it, it's deserving of it. This, like I said, this does not. This isn't something that just happens every year. Like this doesn't happen. That's the thing. This doesn't happen. And so now that it's happened, it's a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, even Adele posted about LeBron tonight. Adele. Okay. So that's a pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Earlier, I kind of touched quickly on. I made a little side note that them losing to the Thunder tonight might have a bigger impact beyond just tonight. And what I'm kind of getting at is after that failed attempt to acquire Kyrie Irving for the Brooklyn Nets, what is next for the Lakers in this dwindling dead season? I mean, ultimately they're only a few games back of a playing spot, right? The West is 
pretty wide open outside of Denver's. Feels like Denver's got a grip on the one seed. Outside of that, Memphis is starting to teeter-totter a little bit. Um, you know, it's just kind of open. It's like, who's the next team? I'm not saying that LA is going to be the third best team in the West. There's not a single move they can make at the deadline to, to make that happen. But they're feeling the heat in the media from, from the fans, from missing out on Kyrie. They've, it's, it, it, it's so glaring that I think LeBron's had to address it. I think the Lakers have had to address it. I think Kyrie has had to address it in, in the public uh, in, press, in press conferences over the past couple of days. Like everybody knew like that was a thing. Like there was such glaring ties between LeBron and Kyrie and the Lakers and Kyrie. And there's still such, such a, such connections that people are, are already jumping to this summer where they think Kyrie will sign with LA. I don't know. Maybe we'll see. Um, but what it brings me to is huge game, right? Huge legacy game for LeBron tonight. Huge moment for the Lakers on the season. And then they lose to a middling, super young, super raw Thunder team who going into the season probably were undecided on whether they were trying to win or not. So not a great look is what I'm getting at. You're the Los Angeles Lakers. What on God's green earth or since when have picks? Since when have picks mattered to you? Since when have picks that are four and six years out, the 2027 and 2029 first or first rounders, since when have those ever mattered? And now you have LeBron at 38. You have AD, who, by the way, huge no-show tonight from Anthony Davis. Um, but you're in this situation that like, is screaming for you to step up and add to this roster. And you have, you don't have a, a you know, a king's ransom to throw at you know a major superstar but you do have pieces to move and you whiffed on Kyrie and I understand we'll get into that and how I can actually relate to the Lakers not wanting to do that but you have a real window this is your window and if it doesn't work out Guess what? You can always flip whatever players um, you acquire for those picks. You can get those picks right back. You can get better picks back. As long as you have, as long as you're getting assets back, you can always go out and get picks. Shopping for picks has never been easier. They're so dispensable. Teams just throw those around willy-nilly. And if a team is willing to give you a real player, a real tangible player that can help you today for those picks that are four and six years out, you move them. Be- 
because you have a chance to win right now while the Warriors are a little handicapped, right? While Denver is the real team to worry about and we haven't seen Denver be healthy for a full playoff run, you've got Anthony Davis back. Lord knows how much longer you've got LeBron. You push for a title run now. I don't know. I don't know. That's where I'm at right now. And that's where I'm thinking the Lakers have to be at right now. You know, we see the camera flash to Jeannie Bus. How many times tonight? And she's all giggles and smiles. But let's be real here. There's a huge elephant in the room, which is the fact that you are putting out this team that's not producing. Um, it all kind of ties together with the trade deadline and Kyrie. That's kind of why I wanted to tackle all of these things in uh, in one go. But just from the record-breaking standpoint tonight, awesome. Just pure, pure... Um, basketball bliss just was so fun like the anticipation i mean 36 points is like no joke you know i know we have i think six guys in the nba scoring over 30 points a game but 36 is still like no it's not just like a oh i'm just gonna go 36 like no matter what and there was really like never a doubt that lebron was just gonna go get 36 um and there was a moment there you know, because he gets the 36 in the third quarter. And it's such a close game that you're thinking, is LeBron going to go get 50? Like, how perfect would it be to have, like, a just master class of a game all out? Um, ultimately, it was a terrific game by him. You know, we saw he had to leave the game a little bit early due to, it appeared like a foot injury. We'll see how that shapes up. They've got Milwaukee this Thursday. I know a lot of people thought that that might be the night that he breaks the record. Um, fun note, if you were following along, ticket prices for Milwaukee have shot down. So um, hope you didn't buy those. So just an awesome night from that perspective. Awesome to see it terrific stuff yeah that's it i'm gonna take a break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about Kyrie, the mavs if he's gonna light another city on fire um and what all to expect how it affects the uh, trade deadline this thursday Kyrie irving has done it again he has tricked yet another city, another franchise into his sick, twisted game. And he is now a Dallas Maverick. He has now successfully lit the cities of Cleveland, Boston, and Brooklyn on fire. Um, with Brooklyn, he probably lit the match probably last year when he started missing. You know, he didn't play in any home games once the vaccine mandate took effect. Um, and that's probably when he's, you could really say he lit the match. 
and that match has just been kind of brewing in the background for about um well a little over a year now because now it's february and um he's officially off the team for cleveland's sake you could at least say he helped win the title which he really did he really did i'm not i'm not going to take away from that boston he left us with nothing no no shame shamelessly left um and look you get traded to a city and you know your free agency comes up and you decide man it's just it's just not working would we still be upset if that's how it went yeah yeah sure would we be harboring such pure unadulterated hatred towards Kyrie if that's how it went no Kyrie however and there's a great clip that somebody uh, mixed together of there's a you know it's it starts in Cleveland innocent little kid at, at Kyrie's basketball camp comes up to him and asks him Kyrie are you gonna leave us funny enough he said Kyrie are you gonna leave us like LeBron did Kyrie laughs it off says no I'm not leaving Right, to be fair, you know what? That was probably years before he actually left, you know. And what else do you say at that point? You're on your rookie contract and you know, you're you're in the, the you've got the, the the heat right on you. This little kid just asked you and this camera's are pointing at you. It's like, yeah, of course I'm going to stay. You know what? I I'll, I'll give you that one, Kai. I'll give you that one. Okay, fast forward to Boston. A lot's changed since then. Clearly, things aren't working out in Cleveland. I mean, they were. They were going to the finals every single year. But that wasn't good enough for Kyrie. So, sure. All right. Demands a trade. I'm thinking, this is great. This is great. Like, we get Kyrie Irving. Fantastic. And he is, for the most part, pretty awesome. And we're having a pretty kick-ass time with Kyrie as our star. And... It's going so well that the night that he publicly, publicly proclaims in the garden in front of all the players, all the front office, all the fans on national television and says, if you'll have me, I will resign this summer. <clears throat> that didn't happen, did it? And that's where we have the issue with you, Kyrie. And this is exactly what he did again this time in New York, in Brooklyn. Uh, more recently, I feel like he was interviewed and um, they had asked him, you know, his thoughts on just the longevity of him and, Ky and uh, KD being in Brooklyn. And he said, you know, ver like he said, I would never leave my man seven, seven, obviously being Kevin Durant. Um, well, you did that. You did just that Kyrie. And if I'm KD, I don't even, I mean, I don't know what their personal relationship is. You know, supposedly we're supposed to believe that they're best friends. And look, they're both kind of weird kind of guys. You know, they've both had some off the court questionable activities. With with KD, it's a lot more like understandable. A lot of it's just social media stuff, Twitter stuff, which in retrospect has kind of become just fun 
to talk about. He even has owned up recently to all of his burner accounts, which is fun. For Kyrie, it's a whole nother dilemma. Um, We're talking about the anti-Semitism issue that happened earlier this year. We're talking about the COVID vaccine issue of last year. We're talking about the flat earth. We're talking about how Kyrie said they should break off the NBA and they should go start their own league. Kyrie has had a plethora of crazy ass quotes. Um, My favorite one was in Brooklyn when he said, this was when Steve, Steve Nash was still coaching the Nets. And Kyrie says, yep, me, Joe, Joe Sy, right? Steve, Steve Nash, and Kevin are going to run and manage the Nets franchise together. What a red flag that was. Because really, the only person, only people running it were, I guess, Kevin and Kyrie. Because it became clear that they were not okay with Steve Nash being a part of that that group. And they cut bait with him. Joe Sy and Kyrie and KD had buttheads numerous occasions. Um, you know, Joe Sy was probably the biggest proponent of Kyrie's suspension earlier this year. And the checklist of sorts that he Kyrie had to meet to in order to return to play on the court. Um, this was just a bizarre. I mean, like, was it three years? Has it been three years or maybe longer of Kyrie in Brooklyn? It's been bizarre. I want to remind everybody about a month ago, the Nets were hot off of a uh, a, a 20 or an eight an 18 and two 20 game stretch, 18 and two over the course of 20 games that's what they went they were the two seed in the east they were becoming the very clear second cog to uh to boston milwaukee was kind of sputtering at the time we weren't really sure what we had with brooklyn uh, or with um with philadelphia rather um cleveland's still kind of figuring stuff out you know they're just a little too young to kind of break through that next level and it felt like Brooklyn was really right there with Boston and then KD gets hurt okay Kyrie can kind of kind of manage things like like if we can be 500 if we can play 500 basketball at least until KD gets back like we should be fine and they weren't fine and Kyrie demands a trade who's to say that that happens if, if KD doesn't get hurt I don't know um, it's hard to imagine that happens if they're still absolutely rolling, competing for the one seed in the East. But I don't know. It's Kyrie. It's unpredictable. Um, it feels like it could have happened because it feels like what really triggered this was the contract extension that was offered by Brooklyn. Um, and based off what, you know, based on what we're seeing and hearing, it feels like the numbers were there and it feels like what really just set Kyrie off was these stipulations that were put in place. What I'm envisioning is a games required uh, minimum, you know, 
which I feel like should probably be in every contract, but you know, I don't know. Some players are afforded different rights. Kyrie, you're not afforded the same rights as some other guys who are, who make themselves available, who aren't questionable um, decision makers, right? Because Kyrie should absolutely be incentivized to play more games. But we know the player that Kyrie is, and he should be compensated at market value for his talents. But for his availability, where do you begin? Where does the contract negotiation even begin? For some teams, I feel as though there is no negotiation. He should be lucky that the Nets and Kevin Durant have pushed so hard for him to even get a legitimate extension offer after all of the crap that he's put on them. I don't know. It's just getting so hard. I mean, it's been so hard to defend Irving, and I'm not defending him. I can't. There's no more defense arguments left out there. And, you know, I come I come around full circle here to say I am so sorry to Mavericks fans who don't deserve this. Some of you may, but a lot of you are innocent bystanders to what is about to be an absolute train wreck, potentially. I fully understand and accept the the possibility that there is a world in which this works out, right? And that Mavs fans are happy and that Kyrie is awesome. And maybe there's a deep playoff run in here somewhere. Maybe there's a finals appearance in there somewhere. Who knows? Like I said, absolutely and utterly unpredictable circumstances are upon us but i am in i am on instagram and i am reading the dallas mavericks comments a day after acquiring kyrie and i'm seeing the 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 blind buzz right i'm seeing the fans getting in the comments huddled together man this is going to be unstoppable this is going to be insane you know when when luca and kyrie figure out the chemistry it's going to be nuts the best offense ever you guys know that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden were on a team together like not that long ago. That's maybe the greatest hypothetical team that didn't work out. I have real concerns about Kyrie and Dallas. Some people who I really respect. I was listening to um, the Zach Lopot, and if you're listening to this, you're definitely listening to the Zach Lowe podcast. And Zach was saying how uh, he has no doubts in his mind about how the offense is going to work between Kyrie and Luka and how the offense is going to be kick-ass and awesome. And I just don't agree. I just don't agree. This isn't like playing with KD. Luka is on the ball way more than KD is. This is the first time since playing with LeBron that Kyrie is going to have played like a real true second fiddle. Katie is really great about playing off of the ball and is a terrific player off of the ball. Luca is not necessarily that. I'm not saying that he can't be or isn't willing to, but point to a 
point me to a time in Luka Doncic's short career so far where he's had to be um where he's had to sit and watch somebody else make the plays be the lead guy be the lead ball handler be the lead scorer point point me to a time in the NBA where that's happened with Luka Doncic cuz I don't think I've ever seen it right I'm not saying I don't believe in it at all. These are two spectacular players. People had question marks written all over James Harden and Chris Paul working out together. But that team had really good defensive players. And that team actually figured out how to stagger those minutes really well. Watching those games, there was always one of those two guys on the floor together. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know what Jason Kidd is as a coach. I don't know. I think it's just too early to tell. He's got the Mavs competing right now. I mean, I should really say Luka's got the Mavs competing right now. Um, But you gave up two legitimate pieces in Spencer Dinwiddie and DFS. And Jordan Finney-Smith is not prime Kawhi Leonard on the ball, but he is a good defensive player that you gave up. And if you're starting Kyrie and Luca and Christian Wood, it's a pretty rough start to your defense. And I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I, I shouldn't group Christian Wood in that group. Um, but I am just looking at it as a whole. What is the Mavs best five is a really good question, I guess. In crunch time, what is your crunch time five? And I don't know what it is for the Mavericks right now. Um, we saw Jaden Hardy and Jalen um, or Josh Green get some run the other night. Um, and they, I think, both combined for close to like 60 points. They have they have some, some things going on there. They have uh, good pieces. But just looking at it right now, I don't know what their best five is. And I don't know that they're um, like leaps and bounds better than they were before they made this trade, right? I think Spencer Dinwiddie is probably like 70% of the player that Kyrie is. And, you know, he's probably, you could probably say he's way more available, you know? Um, and I like Dorian Finney-Smith. That being said, I still, I, I like both teams. I think the Nets and the Mavericks, I think there's a good chance that they're both still looking to make moves. And I've actually made some, I think, some pretty stellar fake trades for each of them. Um, I've been having a lot of fun in the trade machine. So that's why we're going to do the trades, trade deadline special on Thursday. Um, take a quick break and then bring this all back around so we can kind of get a clear picture heading into the trade deadline. All right. So it is 1.15 AM and I'm talking about Kyrie Irving and I think I'm going to lose my mind if I keep going for much longer. So I'm going to bring it to a close here. Earlier I did mention, I, I almost, I don't ever want to defend Rob Polinka or the Lakers as a whole at all. 
Um, but what I had said was that I, I can understand why the Lakers wouldn't want to get into this. And I do. And it's because of all of the things that we've mentioned about Kyrie. And it's because if the only assets you have are those two picks and, you know, whatever else Brooklyn was demanding, which probably still wasn't as good as Dinwiddie and, and the rest of the package, you know, the, the draft capital that Dallas gave up. Um, I can understand why you wouldn't want to swing all of your stuff at a, at an unknown, you know, especially when there is this just great chance that Kyrie comes to LA this summer. If you feel like there's a chance for that, then maybe you don't um, make that move. This has been, this is starting to get, I'm starting to get worn out talking about the, the Lakers, which are you and Kyrie, like two of my least favorite basketball things, but Lakers aside, it was awesome to watch LeBron do his thing tonight. Um, I'm excited to just to see how far he can take it over the next few years. Interesting little nugget from LeBron tonight at the end when they asked him, you know, could he see himself playing a few more years? And of course he said yes, but he, he snuck in a, a, a very clever and very, he, he knew what he was doing when he said it. He said, you know, I could see myself playing, you know, a few more, few more years winning championships with any guys with any franchise, something along those lines. Um, he was very purposeful in mentioning that he can do this with any franchise. Um, and damn it. He's right. Now he's kind of handicapped himself a little bit by signing this massive, um, extension that makes it really hard to trade him. And ultimately I think he wants to finish out his career as a Laker. And I think he should want to, I think his Lakers legacy is starting to build. Tonight was probably a big milestone for that. And uh, I think we're going to see the Lakers LeBron jerseys for the rest of time. Because I think there was a time when he first came to L.A. when it was Kobe's town and it was hard for LeBron to really break through. I think he's broken through. I think he's really broken through. And speaking of Kobe, um, not to get even more sentimental, um, but you really think about, you know, him being there tonight. Uh, it's just, you know, magic's there. Kareem's there, obviously. Um, and you're just thinking about, uh, about Kobe being there. Um, that's it for this, for this one. Um, just wanted to do kind of a reaction pod to, um, to the things that are happening this week, but we've got the trade deadline coming up. Um, I'm really excited. I really, really, really want to see Pascal Siakam on a new team. Like really, like I want, and I want OG and Anobi on a new team too. And, um, we're going to talk about why I think he's becoming overrated as hell. Um, but he's still an awesome kick-ass player. Um, uh, but it's just like, who, why are we giving up? We're going to save it for Thursday. Um, if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening uh, and stay tuned for the next one.